0: Well, at least there's a plot all the way through this time. Remember when I reviewed the first of the trilogy of what I called the Subconfessions Adventure movies? Adventures of a a taxi driver. So there was not really much plot. It was just um, assignations with women. And then a plot that was pushed into the last 10-15 minutes really. Well... I've had a look at the next one in the canon, if you want to call it the canon, which is Adventures of a Private Eye. And you know what? It's a step on, because this has plot galore. In fact, there's almost too much plot here. It was made in um, 1977, followed on from... The, uh, the uh, Adventures of a Taxi Driver. The following year, still got Stanley Long, who was thought in inverted commas to be the exploitation kind of Brit sex comedy uh, producer, and he's directed it as well. You know, um, and had a hand had a hand in the in the writing of it too. So you know, right there at this point, uh, Barry Evans is gone from the main character. So we now have Bob West, played by Christopher Neal. More about him in a minute. But it's actually. A better fit. So anyway, the plot. This, as you might expect, is set in a, a private investigation company and Bob West is a sort of junior investigator who's desperate to get his hand on a case. When his boss goes on holiday, he says, don't do any cases. Don't do anything. Of course, a woman, Laura Sutton, arrives, very good-looking and she says that she is married to somebody who has popped his clogs, who is much older than her, and she wants the inheritance. But she's worried because someone has passed or sent her some compromising photographs and and is trying to blackmail her to the tune of £50,000. So she asks for his services. He takes the case, of course, goes around to see the photographer. Well, the photographer's not there, in disguise, of course, as a a, a rodent operative. And then spies on the photographer, thinking it must be him who's done this. She then asks, and that would have been a nice tight film, you know, just little bits of that on, on his trail. But then Laura asks him to go to the family seat, the family house to be with the family and continue the investigation there so we see the very quirky family you know the um, the, the the patriarch of the family who speaks in rhyme um, and um, and the sisters who are uh, both very keen on, on Bob and um, the uh, uh, well I, it's not explained really what um, whose sister or aunt she is but there's a a character called Medea, actually, in the uh, in the film, who is a sort of um, parapsychologist, I suppose you'd call it, very interested in seances and that sort of malarkey. And he sets about trying to find who the blackmailer is. Halfway through this, the photographer turns up, and Laura goes off with the photographer, which is a bit odd. A photographer then turns up later on and is shot and killed. Laura says, we must dispose of the body. Bob says, yeah, all right. Goes to take the body, gets into some kind of issue with a, a policeman played by Julian Orchard. Julian Orchard, in a kind of nice, calm and gentle way. He's got the body on the back of his sports car in a trunk. And then he um, has some kind of assignation with a woman. Leaves the bot, leaves the the uh, the trunk uh, behind the car because he's had to take the um, take the trunk off to take out his spare tire. And as he's with the woman, a removal van draws up and takes the trunk away. Lost the trunk, lost the body. Meantime, his friend, played by Ian Lavender, who's here again. From that first movie, playing a similar role, turns up with the woman who was the temp at the agency. No idea why they should be here. They nothing to do with the agency whatsoever. They just turn up to inve- to, to talk to to advise him really and say you must go to the police. He goes to the police station. The police the, the, the police sergeant thinks he's some kind of plumber. Why I do not know. He, he, he sends him to the inspector's house. Things ensue, more of which in a minute. And the police inspector turns up, and he has to sharp. He has to scarper, sharpish. He then goes back to the house and decides, with his mate Ian Lavender and the woman from the agency and Laura, the client, that he will take. A, a briefcase full of money which is not actually full of 50,000 pounds it's full of um, it's full of scrap paper with money on top of it and he will go because they've had a letter saying that you must come to see us so he turns up at some kind of burlesque club in uh, London to where he's supposed to meet this person with the cash on stage is adrian poster who's you know does an awful lot of work in the 70s Doing a kind of, um, well, I suppose this might have been her act. I don't know. You know, she she's doing a, an impression of Liza Minnelli in cabaret. She's playing a character called Lisa Maroney. Ha ha ha. And um, Bob mistakes a gentleman in the audience, played by Fred Emney, who's is actually, you know, he's, he's he's got a bit of a. Of um, quite a lot of films behind him, you know, so he's got a bit of a cachet, and he's third actually in the credits. Fred Emney, he plays um, he plays Sir Sir Basil, and of course, you know, there's a miscommunication. He thinks that because at this point, of course, I forgot to mention, Bobby's dressed up as a woman because. He, tr- he has to uh, try and avoid the bouncers at the door, so he takes part in the backing singers behind Lisa Moroni, you see? So, so Basil thinks that he is a woman. He thinks that Basil is the one who wants the, the money. They have comments like, get it, you you show me yours first, you show me yours. He puts his hand up, up, up Bob's skirt, realises things are very much different the way he thought they were. He has to uh, Bob has to scarp her with the bouncers on his trail or tail. Ends up in Lisa's uh, dressing room. She, uh, um, He says, Oh, I am um, Judd Blake, who is the boss. Because he's pretending to be that, of course, all the way through. Who is his boss in there. She seems to know who Judd Blake is. And takes him back to her hotel room. Where they have some kind of assignation. In the meantime, her boyfriend, Legs Luigi, played with very Italianate, jokey voice, but actually with an awful lot of um, self-belief by Nicholas Young, comes in just does the kind of, you've got a man here, haven't you? And there was quite a nice scene, actually, where um, Bob goes from the closet to the bed, back to the closet, to the window, and then out on the balcony all night. In the morning, he's let back in by Lisa. Been out there all night. The phone rings halfway through, and Legs jumps out of bed and threatens him. Then some henchmen arrive, who are the that they've been chasing him, and he is um, he is uh, they are the henchmen from the club, um, and he then has to scarp a sharpish again. Spends a lot of time. Running around this time, he is um, naked and gets into a car. The car is, uh, he he gets into a a car that's been driven by someone else. For some reason, the car runs into a lake. He then has to steal some uh, underwear from a line. He then gets on a bike and suddenly arrives back at the house, the baronial hall. While this is going on, at the baronial hall, the other part of the plot is being resolved because Willie Rushton turns up. Playing, I mean, really, the screen's not big enough to hold him for this kind of performance. He's really um, a very vigorous actor in this. He's playing some kind of press man. Comes back to, um, to comes to see Ian Lavender and the, the temp from the agency, and says, "Look, I think I know, I think I know who's who's killed." photographer. In the meantime, during that they go, for some reason, they go to the to the um, stables and they say, where where is Laura? That's right. And she's in the stables. They go to the stables. Lo and behold, the photographer's there. He wasn't dead. Seems like he is the person who has been doing the blackmailing and Laura is in it with him. She pulls a gun, goes back to the house where the will is about to be read and suddenly Bob comes in on his bike, he can't stop because he's got no brakes. The police are suddenly there as well. And the case is Solved. There you go. There's your plot. That was ten minutes. That's how involved this plot is. We don't need quite a lot of this. We don't need the bit with Adrienne Poster. You know, in the um, playing Lisa Moroney. We don't need that. We don't need any of the club stuff. We don't need that. We didn't even need a baronial hall. It's far too much. It's an attempt to be, well, you know, we'll we'll be legitimate because we'll have an actual plot. Well, if you're going to do it, let's just have one plot and a little subplot. Not two big plots, particularly where the main bloke is away from the plot while it's resolved. It's really too much. And as for the kind of Brit sex comedy The second word of those three There ain't very much to it One thing you do get here though Is in an assignation in a boat With Linda Regan One of the um, one of the, the the sisters She's playing Clarissa They kind of get it on together And of course the boat that they are in Was moored and then flows down the river And reaches a weir And they both have to jump out And you do see Bob West, Christopher Neil you do see his tackle. And generally, you don't see that sort of thing. Not in the Brit sex comedy, not even in the Confessions films. You see the bomb, you don't see the tackle. The twig and berries, the meat and two. You don't see that, and it's interesting to see it here. It's a real feature, actually. As far as the other kind of assignations, Angela Schooler, Scowler is here again. Remember, she was in the other film. She's the inspector's wife who who wants a bit and um, they're on a a sofa getting getting amorous when her young son comes down and sees them What are you doing jumping about on mummy? You've got all that? That's not appropriate. Simply not. You've got... um, When he's got the trunk on the back of of the car a woman comes out and says, would you like to wash your hands? Yes, I would. I'm a housewife and things are very boring. She then turns up with a whip and some leather gear and says, I've seen all the porn movies. That's ridiculous. The film starts with um, him in bed with a woman and uh, uh, the milkman arriving and her getting out of bed, so you see some nudity straight away. And then her husband arrives back because he's been on nights. Wouldn't the woman know that? Wouldn't she actually have set her alarm for earlier? And he gets caught. It gets caught in flagrante in quite a lot here, a lot more than Barry Evans did in the first film. So it's a mess. This film is a complete mess. But again, there are a lot of established British stars in it. Diana Dawes is here again, playing another kind of frumpy part. This time as a as a, a housekeeper. You've got um, you've got Harry H. Corbett. You know who wanted to break out of this kind of movie playing the the patriarch really you know and he's the one who speaks in rhyme the whole time and he does deliver it with gusto even though it's actually really rather poor you got Liz Fraser here as Violet who's some one of the sisters who's some kind of um She's some kind of vegetarian, you know, so she's played as a freak because this is 1977. She's played as someone who, my God, she must be mentally ill. You've got Irene Handel playing a little part as someone who calls the police because she sees Christopher Neal overlooking or or looking through binoculars at the photographer. The photographer is Robin Stewart, who you may remember was really poor in Bless This House. And I think it was Robin Asquith in the film, you know. He replaced him in the series. Really poor in that. bit better in Hammer's The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Not great. And not great here either. I mentioned Willie Rushton. He really is VV. Poor in this. He's really pushing through. And you've also got Shaw Taylor. Keep him peeled. Who's credited. But I don't remember seeing him in the film. Or maybe the plot had just paralysed me. With... Torpor. It's just too much plot and not enough sex. I never thought I'd be saying that. But this is supposed to be a Brit sex comedy. Where's the cheekiness? It's a kind of Agatha Christie potboiler with a little bit of nudity thrown in. And I don't want to see Hercule Poirot jumping up and down on someone. Do you? So it's three and a half out of five. And really, it's not as advertised, it's too legitimate, never thought I'd be saying that, ta ta.